Change. Do you see it? We're all changing. We're all growing. None of us are, in a sense, staying put. Uh, Some of us get a little nervous that uh, we are turning into our parents. And for some of us, that's a good thing. And some of us, that's a bad thing. And somewhere it's in between. Um, I know I used to bust my dad's chops for wearing leather sandals with socks on. And look what I'm wearing today. This is what I usually wear. I usually wear these shoes. Oh, boy, take your shoes off in church, hopefully. And, you know, I usually wear these. And on Sunday, I wear dress shoes because these are the most comfortable. And shout out to my mother-in-law. She got me these for Christmas. Evil mother-in-law. And so I'm wearing them once today. But, you know, who, who are we turning into? Uh, things happen intentionally and things happen unintentionally. But we are in motion. We are fluid. And some of us can actually reflect back and see, wow, we've made some progress in some areas and step back in other areas. We're all in motion. And so, so where are we growing? What kind of message does our life present? Who are we becoming? Uh, what, in a sense, is our branding? In the business world, that's what, that's what they call it. They call it branding. Uh, their symbol, their idea, their concept says something about them. And as Christ followers today, our branding needs some help at times. And if you're just uh, checking things out today, if you're just checking online, checking us out to see what faith has to do, you know, today's a great message because it shows you where a Christian should be in motion, where a Christian should be moving. And, and then there's some of us that are still, you know, we've uh, been beat up a little bit, so we're trying to figure out whether we want to give church or God or really a second chance in our life. But all that's in motion. What, what is our branding? What is the messages that we send? Um, even this week, uh, you, will, you will identify with, with all these symbols, all these brands. Uh, some of these brands have even changed over the last week and a half, what they're agreeing to, what they're not agreeing, what they're doing. Their brands are in motion. And some of these brands we really like, now we don't like, and then maybe we will like again. It's, it's just always in motion. And then there's one brand that I have, to, I have to acknowledge, I really don't like doing it, but it's this brand. And, uh, you know, they, they're actually on the sign out front. My team has won the Super Bowl. Can't even count how many times. They never go to the front sign. I have a problem with that, but that's something else I'm dealing with. But anyway, these, all these branding things, all these concepts, uh, us growing, who we turning into be, all those kinds of things really leave us with this question, is what is a Christian? And when you and I ask ourselves what is a Christian, or somebody asks you what a Christian is, or you say to somebody, you're a Christian, usually there's a like, what kind of Christian? Conservative evangelical fundamentalist Christian, born-again Christian, what kind of Christian are you? Uh, to this week, I was talking with someone, and I said, I said so are, are you a Christ follower? And they said, yes, and then they went and gave their brand of Christ following, and I was very happy with that. But again, you know, we're all, we always defining it. What really is a Christian? 
And sometimes it's hard to explain, and sometimes we don't want to explain. And sometimes as a pastor, it's really hard to explain because the minute someone finds out that I'm a pastor, they're like, <gasps> you know, and uh, then how do you explain that? And now they look at you like funny, and I've been at places where they're telling jokes, and all of a sudden they change their whole concept because now they know I'm a pastor. I was at an event, and all of a sudden the person was talking this way, and all of a sudden they realized that I was doing the prayer at the event, and their, their language and everything changed. It was like I was a different person. So again, how do we explain that? Uh, sometimes all of us feel like this guy to some extent. What do you do? Uh, it's always very difficult to know what to say. Because if I say to you that I'm a reverend, which I am, that conjures up certain images in people's minds as to what I might be. So I like to be a little bit creative in telling people what I do. I sat next to this lady on an aeroplane at Heathrow Airport. And I said, hello. And she said, well, hello. And I said, where are you going? And she says, I'm going to Singapore. Then she said to me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Australia. I said, what do you do? So she told me. Then she said, what do you do? And I said, well, <laughs> I work for a global enterprise. She said, do you? I said, yes, I do. I said, we've got outlets in nearly every country of the world. She said, have you? I said, yes, we have. I said, we've got hospitals and hospices and homeless shelters. I said, we do marriage work. We've got orphanages. We've got feeding programs, educational programs. I said, we do all sorts of justice and reconciliation things. I said, basically, we look after people from birth to death and we deal in the area of behavioral alteration. <laughs> She went, wow! And it was so loud, her wow, loads of people turned around and looked at us. She says, what's it called? I said, it's called the church. <laughs> really isn't it if we are a follower of Jesus wow. then we are part of a global Absolutely. enterprise but not only is it global it's intergalactic because it includes everyone that's gone before us wow <laughs> isn't that cool probably not heard it explained that way before we get branding that isn't that way but we do have good branding if we project it in the right way so as you think about, we came through Simply Christmas, and uh, today we're looking at Simply Christian. And originally this was going to be a standalone sermon, but uh, because of time, we're going to move it into next week too. So when you're walking your way through the message guide, don't get all nervous. He's like only halfway through, and he's got so much more blanks to fill in. Don't, don't get nervous about that. We'll get there next week. But this idea, again, is what is a Christian? The first place that uh, Christians were called Christians was at Antioch, and this actually wasn't a positive uh, label. It was like, ooh, you're a Christian, and Christian meant little Christ, so the idea that you and I as Christians actually represent, resemble Christ was a part of that. But you also have to remember that in the early church, that first hundred years, and, and still even today in other places in the world, the early church was really persecuted. Nero in, 17, in 
in 1117 AD, uh, wanted a new Rome, wanted a new city. So what did he do? He caught the city on fire and then blamed the Christians, and everybody went along with that, and then they got after the Christians, and all you've heard some of the stories. So uh, again, Christian didn't start off with a good branding. But through the years, like our pastor friend and some of the other things we've talked about, through the years, the church has stepped up, and the church is basically made up of Christ followers that function together. We can do more together than we can do apart. And there are some great waves through history where, where, where Christians just made a huge difference in their world. Schooling, hospitals, orphanages, food, things. I think we have a video sometimes we show that more people are fed around the world uh, today through organizations connected with Christ followers than any other organization on the planet. So we kind of forget those things. We have the the, the crazy things that happen, the exceptions, the, the one person who gets news coverage who's just off the rails, and that kind of gets the branding, but we have a different brand, and we need, we need to be aware of that. We need to understand what it means to be a Christ follower. Uh, another uh, verse says this, if he found them, this is talking about Paul, this is talking when Paul's name was Saul, you know Paul wrote most of the uh, good portion of the uh, New Testament, when Paul started off, uh, he was after Christians, he hated Christians, he was jailing Christians, he was doing all kinds of horrendous things, but uh, what he would do is he would go out and seek them out and then jail them and, and arrest them and, and terrible things would happen. So the verse here says, if he found any there who belonged to the way, referring to being a Christian, this is before they used the term Christian, it was you were a part of the way, you were a follower of the way. And that probably came from where Jesus said, I'm the truth, the way, and, and that. And following Jesus, uh, following Jesus' ways. And, uh, you know, uh, most of us, I, well, probably not any of you, but me, I, sometimes I don't follow Jesus' ways. Sometimes I misrepresent him. Uh, sometimes I might have an attitude, and maybe it's only inside people close to me experience it. But there are times where I am not Christ-like, where I'm not following the way. And again, that creates an image, a branding that uh, actually detracts from people being attracted to Christ than following them. And uh, Gandhi said this, he said, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians, your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Yikes. Yikes. And uh, we know that that often is the case. So how do we, looking at Christ, seeing if he could be a part of our life, following him, those of us who are followers, those of us who have followed him a long time, how do we represent him well? How do we, you know, is it so complex or can it be narrowed down a little bit uh, so that, that we can say, well, I can actually navigate, I can actually go in this direction and I do, I do think it is possible. I think, again, uh, we can be simply Christian. We seem to take things and make them much, much more complicated than they need to be. Uh, sometimes I talk with folks, and I'll be saying, yeah, when I am speaking, I, I try to make things as understandable as possible. And I've had it done a couple services here and there, and I have people from other places come up to me and go, go I actually understood that. And I go, yeah, that, that's good that you understood it. And then sometimes we think, man, it's got to be so fancy that you kind of don't understand it. Then that's, then that's got depth. Well, no, it's supposed to be understandable. Christ came 
to make God accessible, not to make it complex. He came to make it accessible. And that's one of the reasons the Pharisees had such a hard time with him, because their whole system was being turned over. And he was saying, no, you've, got it. you've added so much onto everything. Sometimes the branding for a Christian is that we're a bunch of rules, and it's all rules, and that's not true. If you even go all the way back into the Older Testament, how many rules were there for Adam and Eve? Ten? One! See, God never was into rules. Never into rules. Never into rules. So Christianity needs to be more simple, at least the way we brand it and explain it. So if I was to give you like uh, the little secret little thing to it, I want to say it in four ways. Experiencing the power of a Christ-centered identity, what will that do for you? What does that do for us when we experience that power in our life, when we are a Christ follower and we're centered in on him? And that is our identity. How, how does that, how does that e- even, even work? And how does that, how does that unflow? Uh, unflow uh, uh, um, flow. Um, my, uh, every once in a while, uh, Cindy, there's somebody that has a baby uh, in Waterloo school system or a part of our church or someone's sick or whatever, and, and Cindy puts together a meal for them. And uh, I, I actually like when that happens, when someone has a baby. I, I hate to say, say, even like when you're sick and we have to bring you a meal because that means our level of eating in our house goes up because she usually makes enough for us to have some. And if there's none of that going out to you, our meals are simply meals. Anyway, so, so, so she makes this stuff called Chicken Divine. And it's got chicken, obviously. It has rice, has broccoli. I'm okay with broccoli, I, you know. But then it has this magic sauce, this special sauce. It has sour cream in it. It has cheese in it. It has sour cream in it. It has cheese in it. And then she takes Ritz crackers. Sometimes she has to do something else because we have a gluten-free person. But uh, she takes Ritz crackers, and she, like, soaks them in butter, puts them in the oven, and then breaks them up into little pieces and then sprinkles that on top. Almost makes you want to get sick, doesn't it? (laughs) Anyway, that sauce makes everything mm-mm good. And I want to say that the four things we're going to talk about this morning, if you apply them in your life, and I'll be honest with you, I'm going to give them, give you some ideas, and you've got to go home and unpack them a little bit more than we have time for today. But if these four things become a part of the rhythm of your life, you're going to find that that special sauce for your life helps you have a good identity, um, also helps you, in a sense, taste good. It makes broccoli, chicken, and rice taste fantastic. It makes your life taste fa- fantastic to others as we incorporate these things. It's not a one-and-done thing. It's a thing you've got to st- keep thinking about. And uh, Paul writes about this, so we'll, we'll get right into, get into these ideas. Um, Paul writes, in, it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had his designs on us for glorious living. You see, if you're a Christ follower, your identity doesn't come from what you drive. It doesn't come from where you work. It doesn't come from your house. It doesn't come from the kind of clothes you wear. It doesn't come from 
you know, how handsome your husband is. It doesn't come from your talents. It comes from your identity in Christ. And he, that's where he's in the first four books of the New Testament. We call them the Gospels, the good news. They talk about Jesus' life. That shows us the way of Jesus. And if we're going to be followers of the way, we need to be students of the way, and we need to be students of those Gospels. And the rest of the New Testament explains how that shakes out into your life. So we get our identity in him. We find out who we are, what we're about, And what's awesome is long before we even had a heartbeat, he had, in a sense, his eye on us. And he chose us to live in the here and now. He chose us to live in this time period. He had designs about it. He thought about it. And I am so happy that he decided to put me where there's iPads. I would very much not like to live when there were no iPads, no electricity. I really like iPads. So he knew that I would like an iPad. So he knew that I should be in this time to have one. I wish maybe it was 100 years in the future when, you know, anyway. But you could have all kinds of other things. But he has a design. So wherever you're at in your life, he's plugged you in there. So all this COVID stuff, all this political stuff, all this crazy stuff, he stuck you in for this time and this moment. And what he wants us to do, those of us who are Christ followers, is he wants us to rise up and not point to an organization, not to point to a system, but to point to him. And earlier on, we've talked about this. I said, you know, we were made for this time. Don't hunker down. Don't be scared. Don't be all anxious. You, if you're a Christ follower and you're following him, you were made for this time. Embrace it. Be aware. Don't stick your head in the sand. But don't be anxious. And for each one of us, it's a fine line. We need to be aware, but not cross over to being anxious. And for some of us, the needle goes back and forth. Some of us are not aware enough. Some of us are too anxious. And some of us are are trying to keep it in the middle. And he designs for us for glorious living. Glorious living in the future when there's a new heavens and a new earth. But glorious living right now so that you and I can shine for him. That is our identity. And when we experience the power of a Christ-centered identity, it helps everything line up just right. So first of all, it frees me from the attractions and grip of lesser things. When you and I are Christ-centered, it helps us not get distracted as much. There's lots of good things. There's lots of bad things. And it helps us keep focus. It helps the good things in life not captivate me. It helps the bad things in life not captivate me. I am captivated by him. And I'll have to be honest with it, that is a daily thing. That's a regular thing. I actually have to spend time in God's word at least once a day, and it's not because I'm a pastor. Maybe sometimes I have to go back to it in that same day because I need to keep a firm grip on the right things, not the lesser things. It takes effort. It takes energy. But that's the special sauce. It's a part of one of the ingredients of that special sauce that makes life yum, yum, yum and gives you a glorious living. Paul writes, 
At one time, all of these things, he goes through of who he was when he was Saul and all his credentials and his upbringing and all this, this stuff. And he says, at one time, all these things were important to me. But because of Christ, I decided that they are worth nothing. Not only these things, but now I think that all things are worth nothing compared with the greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I love that word knowing. Sometimes we have that word knowing. I just remind ourselves it's not knowing about. It's knowing by experience. It's both of those things. There are a lot of people that know a lot but don't know it from experience. You're only getting half the deal. He's saying, I want to know Christ, not just head knowledge about Christ. I want to experience him. And again, glorious living designed for this time. Uh, We can know Christ. Christ is there to walk through us. His spirit lives within us when we've said yes. We have his guidance. He's right along with us. So knowing Christ as my Lord. Lord means surrender. I have to work at surrendering. I have to work at surrendering. Probably none of you have to work at surrendering, but I have to work at it. I, I find that my selfishness, uh, my uh, dark side, if you will, it, it, there aren't too many. I, I could make a few bad decisions, and, and things would be really bad. See, I have, to, I have to work at that to make him Lord. I have to regularly check in with him and say, you need to be Lord. Help me by convicting me when I'm getting off the rails and help me to respond to you quickly but I I want you to be my Lord. Because of Christ, I've lost all these things, and now I know that they are worthless trash. All I want now is Christ. Huge. But that's a part of the special sauce. You don't just throw a switch, but you get into the groove and you keep going that way, and then all of a sudden, all this stuff, you start to be freed from the grip of those things. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm in the grip of those external things. They're holding on to me. They hold my attention, my desires, my heart. But Paul says we can be free from that. We, we don't have to hold on to those things. Also, we say it fuels my commitment to live by trust. Uh, some of you this morning may have received uh, the Moorlings update. They're uh, difference maker partners who serve in Papua New Guinea, halfway around the world. And they just were talking about some things. This little note, Martha, for those of you who are on the prayer and praise uh, email list, will get that in your email probably today, or maybe you already had it. She forwards it to you. But I got it from them, and uh, it, it was, you know, it's so exciting to see how, you know, they, they're just, their commitment just keeps being fueled, and they have this trust. And I, I don't know about you, but they're isolated. I, I mean, getting on a plane just doesn't happen like that anymore. So if they needed to get out, it's, it's, it's a little hard for them to do that. They don't have a hospital. They don't have medical professions. They have to sometimes fly to Australia to get the medical treatment understanding uh, that, that they need. They can't get it there. So, so there's a lot of those kinds of things going on. But if you read their card, their note, you're going to see an optimism. It's not because they have their heads stuck in the sand. It's because they've decided a Christ-centered life fuels their life, and it increases their trust. And that's just not for the missionary, the difference maker partner around the world or in our community. It's just not for the pastor. It's just not for the church leader. It is for all of us. Paul writes, I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. Uh, Cindy and I are trying to 
or reorder our life a little bit so that there's room for my parents to come live with us. And they're excited about doing that. We keep talking about how they packed up their tree and put only so many decorations away and all this kind of thing because they're not expecting to have such a big tree next year because they'll be living with us and, and all this kind of stuff. And so we're looking at properties and things like that. And, you know, you know it's, it's, it's just a, it's a pain in the neck on one hand. But there can be a trust. I can be at ease. And I can be, this is exciting. So when some, there's some hiccup, I can go, this, this isn't a hiccup. This is an opportunity for God to show up and do something neat in my life, in our lives. Christ-centeredness fuels our commitment to live by trust. I text messaged Paul McDonald just uh, yesterday, I think it was last night, to say, where are you? And he said, I've just landed. I'm on my way, you know, to the place. And, you know, and he's enjoying getting out of his comfort zone, and again, and he's getting to trust. His, 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 his Christ-centeredness is fueling his trust. That is available to every single one of us. That's some of the special sauce that makes following Christ so tasty. Also, it fills my life with things that count. First time I really came to head on head with this as I was a young lead pastor. I was like 29 years old, and all the other leaders of the church were like in their 50s, ancient. And then there were some guys in their 60s, and these guys were just old, and we're at a Christmas party, and they're kind of talking about their life, and, and they were talking about, what they got on this little thing about how many cars they had had. And they started going through it, you know, over the years. And these guys had been good businessmen, so they had had the cars they wanted and all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, they started to talk about what a waste it was to buy all those cars. They said, you know, if I could do it over again, I wouldn't have, you know, done it that way. I would have spent less money here, and I would have done like, you know, and I'm thinking in my mind, I can't wait till I can buy one of those cars, you know, and just completely different. And it opened my eyes that there are things that count, and there are things that don't count. And so when you and I are Christ-centered, we get to figure out and find out the things that actually count. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, experience him working in my life, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself for all of life. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. Now, First glance, someone might say, is he questioning his salvation? No, he just wants to be in it all. He wants to be all in. And he realizes that being all in helps him to figure out what counts, how to spend his life. Time is money. How do you invest your life? How do you walk through life? And he's just all about that. It also... It makes me, it moves me beyond self-satisfaction to spiritual excellence. And some of us, you know, we've been around church world so much, we've heard all the stories, you know, every month before Christmas, two months before Christmas, I agonize, I go, how do I talk about Christmas again? And I have all these people who go, oh, I want to hear a new twist. I want to hear, I, I've never heard that before, you know, so where do I find that little thing? Sometimes I've been tempted to make things up. No, just kidding. <laughs> wow, I never knew that. Well, it's because it's not true. <laughs> but, you know, you know this, this, this idea of continually growing and not settling, not being satisfied with self. And when it comes to our spiritual life, that's a part of the special sauce. None of us 
arrive. Paul says he hasn't arrived. I don't mean to say I'm perfect. I haven't learned all I should even yet, but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. Part of the special sauce, the part of the making the identity of Christ, what a Christ follower is, is to always be growing, always to be moving forward, always be learning, trying not just to settle, trying to stretch a little bit, come outside your, your comfort zone. I'm always amazed when someone in their 50s or 60s, in a sense, starts a new business and it's in a completely different field than they've been in before. They're kind of coming outside. They're, they're getting like the second chapter of life and, and they're moving in a new direction and it opens a whole excitement and, and everything to life. Same thing is true as Christ as we continue to grow in him and learn more about him and know him personally and, and apply this to everyday life and not let the outside world freak us out, but to go out there with, um, with strength and confidence, not arrogance, but strength and confidence pointing to Christ and realize I want spiritual excellence in my life. I want to grow. I want to change. I don't want to be the same person I was six months ago, a year ago. I want to know Christ better, and I wanted to make my, li- make my uh, you know, life for Cindy better because I'm a better Christ follower. So Cindy's life, my wife, she gets to enjoy that. So I'm a better husband, a better dad, and all those kinds of things, better pastor. I want to keep growing, not just settling. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. This is Jesus. You're, you're kingdom subjects. And the idea of kingdom is someday God will set up his kingdom. Someday there'll be a new heavens, a new earth. And, and, and we think of that. But also kingdom is rule of heaven in your heart. And so we're all a part of the kingdom as we follow his rule in our heart. And someday it will go everywhere. But for right now, it's one heart at a time. So now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. And we just sang about that over and over again, how God is gracious and lives that way towards us. It wasn't a one-and-done thing. He continues to pump grace, compassion, mercy, and love into our lives. And we get to experience that. So when we experience that, we in turn want to let that overflow and touch somebody else's life. We want to grow in our gracious. We want to grow in our mercy. We want to grow in being cooperative and being kind. Sometimes somebody will say, so what's a Christian supposed to be like? I say, just be nice. What? Just be nice. Simply Christian, just be nice. Are you known as a nice person? Are you known as a jerk? I don't know. You know, you, you, you know, what are you? If you're a Christ follower, you're known as a nice person, not a doormat. Uh, you know, those kinds of things. Christ was never a doormat, but he definitely was nice and kind. God calls us to live out that towards others. Well, like I said earlier, we're going to wrap things up halfway through our message guide. And as we put all this together, I think some of our anxiety, some of our tension in life as Christ followers is, is we have this preparation without expression, and that causes depression. So God has prepared us to be Christ-centered. He's compared us to have these four ingredients of the special sauce, and when we, don't, when we ignore those, even though he's prepared us, then we find ourselves in lives being anxious, unnerved, uncomfortable. When, I'm, when I've got my grip on lesser things and it just doesn't work well in my spirit, no wonder things are upside down and I get just down. 
So when he's prepared you to live a certain way, when he's prepared you for this time, when he's prepared you for this life, and we don't live that out, it creates tension in our spirit and our heart, deep down inside. And then some of us try to fill it with other things. Sometimes I try to fill it with two Ben and Jerry's and a good movie. Whatever it is, I try to fill it, but it's really, I've been prepared for something, I'm not expressing it, and it's bringing me down. And as Christ followers, messing up that identity not only impacts my life, my quality of living, it impacts the people around me. It impacts my county. It impacts my state, my country. You get the idea. So preparation without expression causes depression. So please go through those four ingredients for the special sauce and work through and say, ask that question, which is one, how can this show up a little bit more in my life? I'm not, not throwing a switch and changing my anything else, but a little bit, get some traction in that area and start that ear growing. Would you please pray with me? Grace Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your compassion, your mercy, and your love. And we also thank you that you do hold us accountable. You don't let us wander too far. Uh, talked about how your love chases after us. It's a relentless love. And a relentless love sometimes takes the form of yanking our chain and saying, hey, wait a minute. You've gone just a little too far. We thank you that you don't give up on us. Father, help us in our hearts not to, in a sense, give up on you. Instead of leaning away, let us lean towards. And if there's anyone here today that has not said yes, uh, maybe they know a lot about you but don't know you personally, we just ask in these quiet moments that they would say yes to you. They would invite you into their life. They would acknowledge their need for a savior, forgiveness for their sin, their selfishness, and realize that you can take care of that for them. And then they would begin to follow you and try to figure out what it means to have you be the Lord of their life, just not the Savior of their life. Again, we thank you for this time and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, again, we'd like to just uh, thank you for your generosity.